The Problem with Financial Types The Monday Morning Memo for August 4th, 2014 Reliable data tells us exactly how many motorcycle riders have died trying to navigate an S-curve at 100 miles an hour. The straightforward logic of traditional accounting, with its linear, no-threshold thinking, predicts one-tenth as many deaths at 10 miles an hour. But we know this is ridiculous. The number of riders that die at 10 or 20 miles per hour is likely to be zero. There is a threshold speed at which the curve becomes dangerous. Any extrapolation that crosses that threshold is certain to be inaccurate. If you understand the concept of extrapolations that cross the threshold, you have the key you need to understand why financially focused business people often make breathtakingly bad decisions in business. The rules of accounting make it counterintuitive for a financially trained person to perceive a numerical threshold at which the laws of math are suddenly altered. But keep in mind, the threshold speed of the motorcycle in the S-curve, deaths at speeds above that numerical threshold, will have no correlation to deaths at speeds below it. In effect, the laws of math are suddenly altered. You and I know that an invisible force momentum is affecting the motorcycle and causing it to careen out of control. Although momentum can be measured, there's no column for it on a financial spreadsheet. Momentum in business can be positive or negative, pushing your company forward or back. Advertising, public relations, word of mouth, and social media provide momentum to a business. But a threshold called the experience of the customer will dramatically alter these efforts, accelerating them forward or holding them back. If your typical customer's experience is delightful, your communication efforts will be highly effective. But if that experience falls short of delightful, advertising, public relations, word of mouth, and social media will no longer have the desired effect. Financial types like to, quote, hold advertising accountable, <laughs> because it's easy to blame poor advertising for every decrease in sales opportunities. But no calculation is ever made for the cumulative impact of unwowed customers. Financial types never consider the threshold of disappointment at which once loyal customers abandon ship. When Michael Eisner came to Disney in 1984, he was initially perceived as a golden boy of finance, making Disney wildly profitable during a time when its rivals were faltering. He worked his miracle by putting Disney's greatest cinematic treasures on DVD, milking every last dollar from the rich heritage that had taken the Disney brothers half a century to build. Within a few years, video sales were providing almost all the profits for Disney's movie division, and by 2004, Disney had raked in $6 billion from video and DVD sales. But then the Disney cow was dry. Michael Eisner looked at assets and opportunities through a financial lens. He had none of the whimsy of adventure, none of the imagination or commitment to excellence that had guided the Disney brothers. While busily milking the cow and making himself more than a billion dollars in the process, Eisner quietly abandoned the values and traditions of Disney. A company without values and traditions is a train without a track, unable to gain momentum. 
from the Monday Morning Memo for July 14, 2014. In 2003, Roy E. Disney resigned from his positions as Disney Vice Chairman and Chairman of Walt Disney Feature Animation, accusing Eisner of turning the Walt Disney Company into a rapacious, soulless company against everything Walt Disney believed in and stood for. You can't fool all of the people all the time. Nor can you succeed by getting by on the cheap, said Disney, referring to his accusations that Eisner slashed spending on the Disney theme parks, leading to closed rides, peeling paint, and unhappy customers. Disney.wikia.com slash wiki slash Michael underscore Eisner. The cow was angry at being milked dry. Eisner was out. Bob Iger was in. As the new CEO of Disney, Bob Iger put an end to the practice of making cheap, direct-to-video sequels of old favorites, such as Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True, Disney's equivalent of frozen food. The Economist, April 17, 2008. Magic restored. Under its new boss, Disney has staged an impressive creative turnaround and is making synergy work. Writing for Time Magazine on March 21st, 2014, Kevin Kelleher maintains that whoever follows Bob Iger will have a tough act to follow. Under Iger, Disney's brand and business is as strong as it's been in four decades, and there is no clear path to maintaining the double-digit profit growth Disney has been enjoying. Under Iger's leadership, Disney has seen its stock rise 250%, five times better than the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Iger has shut down, sold off, or cut back properties like Touchstone and Miramax and bought others like Pixar for $7.4 billion and Marvel for $4 billion. Iger's Disney is closer in spirit to the one run by the Disney Brothers. What are the values and traditions that guide your company? Are you communicating them internally through staff training and externally through advertising and marketing using brandable chunks? The next big thing is a pile of little things. And those little things are called brandable chunks, the most versatile, effective, right now thing you can do to lift your marketing into the 21st century. Are you ready to work? Christopher J. Maddock, the inventor of Brandable Chunks, will join Jeff, the Professor Sexton, and me for a two-day Brandable Chunks workshop at Wizard Academy, November 5th and 6th. We'll help you discover your Brandable Chunks so you can whisper them, sing them, and shout them to the world. Come, it's time to do this thing. Roy H. Williams. Nine years ago, Edward Lampert, a billionaire hedge fund manager, bought enough stock to make himself CEO and chairman of the board of Sears. Why is it that financial types always think they understand marketing? Lampert immediately merged Sears with Kmart, creating the third largest retailer in America. Almost since the day he acquired control of Sears, he has been milking the company for cash as opposed to maximizing its performance as a retailer, says Craig Johnson, president of Customer Growth Partners. He hasn't invested in stores, in marketing. He's doing nothing to grow the business, continues Craig Johnson. Sears Holdings, Solus under Lampert, has lost 83% of its stock value since 2007. It's not expected to survive another year. Just as Eisner failed to recognize the genius of Walt Disney, Lampert failed to recognize the genius of Sears, a man named Julius Rosenwald. We'll talk more about Rosenwald in the rabbit hole. Just click the cow and you're there. Indie Beagle out.